war in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. Listening to the John DePietro Show, folks, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, Petro.com. Today's Tuesday. It's May 24th, and this portion of the program is brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Make it a great day at Ron's Pastry Gourmet, 170 royal little drive in providence it's ron's pastry gourmet folks they have the most delicious calzones they have pizza strips delicious sandwiches on top of that they have the trump 2024 chocolate donuts the let's go brandon cupcakes fresh pies they're right off of silver spring street next to AAA in providence ron's pastry gourmet make it a great day at ron's pastry gourmet well folks there's a couple stories in the news um and one is uh i like this piece in the new york times where they write that you know president biden once again this is a habit where he goes off script and then his staff starts to scramble and then they have to you know try to clean up exactly um what he what he said and whether or not he he means it biden veers off script to taiwan not the first time by peter baker who's a great writer by the way but he writes, maybe President Biden isn't speaking off script after all. Maybe he just doesn't think much of the script. Offhand remarks vary from official talking point and become a feature, not a bug of the Biden presidency, as he demonstrated again on Monday when he dispensed with decades of, quote, strategic um, ambivalence and indicated he would militarily defend Taiwan against attacks by China. Each time... He says what he really thinks is a ritual cleanup brigade dispatched by the White House. Pretend he did not really say what he clearly articulated, or even if he did, didn't really amount to change in policy. But then Biden, unperturbed, unapologetic, goes out, does it all over again. So yesterday, latest incidents, remarks on Taiwan, President saying out loud's on his mind, even if it leaves his staff scrambling to spin it away afterwards in march president biden called putin a war criminal just his opinion not a legal conclusion his aides quickly explained then days later he ad-libbed at the end of a speech putin cannot remain in power just an observation not call for regime change this was not the first time since he's become president biden said he would come to the defense of taiwan as far as military a commitment other presidents traditionally kept vague as to leave china guessing while not boxing in the united states in fact it was the third time biden said so making the nothing to see here white house demurrals that much harder to sell biden has always been more open about his thinking than most politicians said david axelrod his strength his auth- authenticity his weakness sometimes more willing his staff like to share his thoughts uh but anyhow since reaching the white house biden has largely avoided some of the cringe juicy comments got him in trouble in the past such as when he described mr obama as the first black candidate for president who's articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy instead the ad hoc remarks have stirred controversy seem more the category of the definition of a gaffe a gaffe he famously wrote michael kinsley's when a politician tells the truth 
some obvious truths he isn't supposed to say. Biden's latest comment on, on Taiwan came during the news conference uh, when Japan, during a visit to Tokyo, asked about Taiwan. Biden at first stuck to the traditional formula. American policy on Taiwan has not changed at all. U.S. supported the island against Chinese aggression, stand firmly with Japan and other nations, blah, blah, blah. His aides were satisfied with no trouble. But then Nancy Cords of CBS News followed up. She noted he had ruled out direct American military involvement in the Ukraine. Asked by contrast, is willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes, Biden said. That, that's the commitment we made. That's when administration officials around the room took notice. The idea that it could be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not appropriate, Biden said, referring to Taiwan. It would dislocate the entire region. If so, it's a burden even stronger. By that point, the staff knew he had gone further than they would have liked, went into damage control. Our policy has not changed. <laughs> but Biden's comments went beyond providing military means for Taiwan to defend itself, widely seen as suggesting direct American military involvement. Folks, this is what we have been talking about. It's not, unfortunately, going to end anytime soon. You have both Russia and China have decided that they would like to expand their territory and they're willing to do it by force if they have to. Now, as far as locally, uh, the mystery continues on the missing woman in Warwick, Charlotte Lester. I believe she's from East Greenwich. Uh, it's a complicated case. If you'd like, I will have something uh, up on the website. We certainly are following the mystery yesterday with exactly what's going on with that. I also think it's interesting that Providence is now going to install these license plate cameras on the road. And as you can imagine, first of all, this sounds like a very good idea, but of course, that means the ACLU is against it. Now, it's worked very effectively in Cranston, but in this whole element of the privacy, and this is about solving crime. This is about doing what's in the best interests of taxpayers, of citizens, keeping people safe. I think um, Channel 10 actually has a decent piece on this, the flock camera debate. And so I want to play this. I, I think it's an actually a very good idea and a step in the right direction. Actually, right behind me, you can see a flock camera here in Cranston on Pontiac Avenue. Cranston, please tell me there are 29 of these cameras within their city. Mara Lorza announced today that Providence plans to have the cameras by the end of next month as well. Your chances of getting, of getting arrested and held accountable for this conduct is only going to increase. Providence Mayor Jorge Lorza introducing new tools to track down criminals in the capital city, a flock camera. There are a couple of police departments in the state that have already instituted the use of license plate readers. At the end of August, we installed 29 cameras. Cranston police already utilizing flock cameras, which takes a picture of the back of the car as it drives by. That plate is um, automatically cross-checked with NCIC, which is the wow. FBI system that awesome. has all these stolen vehicles, wanted people. I have some stats in front of you. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, this is as of last week. We've had um, 35 stolen cars recovered. Colonel Michael Winquist tells me that the flock cameras have also helped them solve other cases, like a missing person, a homicide case, a bank robbery, and the recent shooting outside a pregame lounge. If it wasn't for the cameras, it would have been another incident of a shooting where there's no arrest. While this may seem like a great resource, some residents have pushback. The capabilities of this technology are far broader and much more concerning. Here we go. Anna Stern, the policy associate at ACLU of Rhode Island, says a quick search on the Flock Safety Cameras website will show that the cameras can record audio and allow whoever is on the back end of the camera to search for cars by small details like bumper stickers or roof racks. Also mentioning that these cameras appear to be able to use artificial intelligence technology. I mean, I think it's hugely inappropriate that our municipalities might be using these camera oh, systems to determine who might know each other in these neighborhoods, oh. creating civil liberty concerns. 
violence technology is tied to over-policing. Ah. It's tied to specifically the over-policing in communities of color. Stern says surveillance is not the only way to keep a community safe. Yes, it's it is. It's about investing in housing. It's about investing in oh, education. Shut up. It's about investing in jobs. Oh, go away. Oh, she's the most hideous here. And to please say there's a lot of training involved in policies yes. implemented by the department. Alorza also aware oh, of hey, these concerns and says that there will also be policies in place for Providence Police. Live in Cranston, Molly Levine, NBC 10 News. Well, I think it's positive. Anything that can cut down on the crime in that city or any city. I like this. You know, the more cameras, the more they can't hide. And the more when someone does, in fact, break the law, there's a better shot to, you know, catch who exactly did that. So I think it's all a positive. Now, uh, the I-team of Channel 10, they also did a piece now on the census. Now, I can't believe... What's comical about this is Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott isn't even mentioned. She was co-chair of the of the census committee. And they described John Marion of Common Cause as a government watchdog. That guy is so compromised. He's coming off like a pathological liar. Listen, it was at least 55,000 over. They knew what they were doing. There was intent involved. This wasn't an error. And these people are, are just so uh, beyond the realm. This is uh, Brian Crandall, NBC10, the I-team on the Rhode Island account, the census. By the federal government. That ranks third highest in the country in terms of overcounts. Yeah. And leaving some critics to wonder what was going on. Yes. But those involved are defending their work. Oh, yeah. Accounting controversy two years after the fact. And now questions as to how Rhode Island was significantly overcounted, according to a new estimate from the Census Bureau itself. Oh, we would not have been doing anything oh, that was no. above board. Oh, okay. Henrietta Whiteholder heads yeah. Higher Ground International in Providence. Yeah. One of a bunch of community social service yeah, organizations that encourage people in underserved areas to fill out their census forms they had census takers at high demand food distribution events during covid so there was no way we could be double counting anybody then what you went know, wrong we needed to get this line moving really fast i'm not celebrating the fact that we overcounted oh, by fifty-five thousand people because i believe most americans Relieved in the country want a system to be fair rhode island republican party head susie yankee supports census outreach efforts but questions some tactic used by groups hoping to get more people counted like one organizer who told the Boston Globe last year he handed out some $20 bills. Incentivizing people and they come and they get $20 or a gift card. They're not thinking, uh, oh, somebody, I already did this. By all accounts, it's the Census Bureau that's supposed to check for duplicates. So when you incentivize people to fill it out and you overwhelm Pay census them. workers, they could not differentiate. Well, what would you say to people who think there was something suspicious happening on the ground 100%. with those outreach efforts? Most states did outreach efforts. Oh, shut Ours up. were pretty run-of-the-mill. John Marion, head of Watchdog Group Common Cause Watchdog Rhode Island, was on group. the state committee tasked with getting people counted. He and other He's experts say reasons for overcounts can include children listed by more than one parent, college students counted at home and at school, that and 55, people with second homes form at each address. And there was nothing so nefarious it. about it. There was absolutely something nefarious about it. meanwhile, former Central Falls Mayor James DiOso, who is a co-chair of that Rhode Island Complete with Count Dr. Group, Scott. defends their work, telling me they just tried to be innovative in getting people to trust the census process. <laughs> Secretary of State Nellie Rubeo's campaign replied to our request for comment from her, blaming then-President Donald Trump for any issues. What a joke. Meanwhile, Massachusetts was also estimated to have been overcounted by 2%. I'm Brian Crandall, NBC I'll 10. I'll tell you what I've heard. I've heard that it was even more than the 55,000, but Raimondo massaged it down to that number that they went way over. Here's a real question. Why would we trust them to do an election the right way? They can't even do the census properly. No, James Diosa, the former mayor of Central Falls, he gave, gave, I thought, the most honest answer was, which was basically, you're damn right we did that. We wanted to save that congressional seat. If we didn't do that, we we're going to lose the congressional seat. Therefore, the ends justify the means. We were right to do that. That's what he said. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, it's right by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Why not call Lawn Doctor today? Or they have a great, easy website. You can go online at lawndoctor.com. Just type in your zip code. You can call them, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island, 401-392-1025. But you want to get on their service program they will visit your property eight different times. 
and it's not too late now because then they still come late spring summer grub prevention early fall fall late fall lawn doctor again great website very easy to use just type in your zip code get a quick easy quote lawn doctor online lawn doctor.com or 401-392-1025 you're listening to the john DePietro show propane plus for heating and cooling call propane plus today in massachusetts 508-252-3359 in rhode island propane plus number 401-885-4209 it's the johnson family it's propane plus the leading full service provider of propane to rhode island and southeastern mass not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries but they can service your entire heating cooling system and install any propane or natural gas appliances locations in east greenwich and also in rehoboth remember propane plus is energy for everyone it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and also now it's renewable online at propaneplus.com propane plus heating and cooling in massachusetts call the rehoboth office 508-252-3359 and in rhode island 401 401- 885-4209 you can depend on propane plus think to the john DePietro show folks it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com joining me right now is nicholas oliver and nicholas was with the east providence board of canvases and he posted something very interesting on facebook yesterday and he joins us now uh good morning nicholas Good morning, John. Nice to be with you. How is it 24 hours coming up on after you posted your resignation from East Providence and the Board of Canvases? It's been a surprising reaction. Um, I I wasn't anticipating such a reaction, um, but it has been predominantly positive and that it achieved the goal that I was seeking to educate voters on the recent actions of the General Assembly to weaken our election laws and provide them with an opportunity to react and respond by contacting their General Assembly members that voted to take away the integrity of our state and local elections. You uh, wrote, uh, basically, while you've enjoyed the work, it'd be impossible for me to proceed with voting to certify any further election. Talk about that. Yeah, that's accurate. The General Assembly um, voted, and I think that this, the bill's name is is a misnomer. Uh, It's called the Let Rhode Island Vote Act. And then there was a subsequent bill that added insult to injury. And and what it did is that, and I believe that it legalizes a concept called ballot harvesting, where fraudulent ballots are cast on behalf of someone. And we've heard these stories before. Former President Trump brought this issue to light in his first election in 2016. Um, And now I believe this is a reality if it hadn't been already in Rhode Island um, under this new law, whereas um, people had um, their ballots cast without their knowledge, free will or accord. Um, folks that had since um, passed away seem to have voted in an election that they were not physically capable of doing. Or in the case of populations that I have spent my entire career advocating for when their voice hasn't been heard up at the state house, you know, those that are in long-term care facilities or those vulnerable homebound um, patients um, that receive services um, uh, through home care agencies that may have their ballots cast without any verification to say that they had uh, voted for the people that are marked on their ballot. The verification process is convoluted. Um, it has no assurities that it's apolitical and doesn't allow for daylight for you know those that are ensuring that we have strong and safe and secure elections will be able to see that those ballots are being verified accurately uh, and that that was cast under, again, the free will and accord of that respective voter. You know, it's interesting. And again, folks, so speaking with Nick Oliver, the first thing that needs to be established, and I certainly appreciate your candor, but those that are trying to implement 
uh, these new, very loose uh, voting restrictions. The first thing they have to acknowledge, they almost act like, gee, why would anyone want to influence an election? Gee, why would anyone want to find a way to put in extra votes? Listen, you know, these are people, these are campaigns. There's a lot vested. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose. It, it, to me, it's almost like, you know, gee, would someone really want to break into a bank? and rot? Like they, they, they act like there's no value and therefore there'd be no incentive to try to skirt the laws. But let's talk about how you write how with these recent uh, changes, the votes will remain under the border canvases to certify it. And it's basically it's really take a lot of onus off. I don't know how someone in your position would, in fact, be able to tell if a ballot many times because of that um it, it comes under like does someone really exist the way that you know so much now could either be done online or just done by mail it it calls into question it's it's far different than the traditional past nick oliver of you know you show up on election day they call your name out and then you know you have to go in and and it used to be draw the curtain but then vote this eliminates all of that Absolutely, it does. And it's under the pretense of, well, it worked in the last election during the height of the COVID-19 public health emergency. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If voters are motivated to go out and vote in the polls to make sure that their ballot is cast, they will do such. In the 20 days prior leading up to November 2020 election, we had people come out in droves to city hall to come out and vote i think the greatest example of that was the saturday before the election day we had our city hall open for four hours on that saturday morning and we had over 900 voters standing in line wow they were not socially distant they were not masked until they were required to do such walking into the building. And in that short period of time, with the limited physical capacity that we had in the atrium of City Hall, as I said, over 900 East Providence voters came out to vote. So the only people that this is supposedly supporting are those that are incentivized to ballot harvest. I mean, I've heard other terms used, and I, I won't take claim to those that aren't mine, but this is essentially an incumbent insurance policy. Those that are organized with specific special interests that have the purpose of ensuring that there are enough ballots stuffed in the ballot box can now do such with this convoluted verification process that really isn't verification. It's done in the back halls of the State Board of Elections where you don't know whether that's going to be a bipartisan process. There's nothing prescribed in the bill that provides that insurance that it's done such. And it doesn't show that those ballots are being verified in the light of day with oversight of those that have the interest of making sure that we have an election with integrity that is safe, fair, and secure. Folks, again, we're speaking with Nicholas Oliver, who very bravely resigned from the East Board, East Providence Board of Canvases. And Nicholas, let's talk about, if you don't mind, those drop boxes. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm very leery of them. It started out there were just a couple. I think they were at the Board of Elections. Now there's one in every city and town. Um, because of a recent film, some people have a little more knowledge about it. But even then, I'll hear people say, well, they need a camera on them and someone should monitor it. What they don't even realize, in certain states, there's a limit of how many ballots could be dropped in one of those uh, ballot boxes. In Rhode Island, here's what people don't understand. There's, there's no limit. So, but if you are with the board of canvases and then someone goes and they open up the drop box, uh, number one, to me, the whole reason it serves is not for the resident, the regular citizen who maybe wants to, you know, drop a, a mail ballot in the mail. To me, it really just serves the campaigns. Number one, obviously they save on postage, but number two, if there is a fraudulent ballot that eliminates the potential charge of of mail fraud but when you open that up and there are 2000 ba uh, ballots stuffed in there as you say then it's just the the matter of sorting them out you know take us through that i would imagine then you okay here's the ballot and here's the name 
and that's the person and you check the role okay that person does live on this street so like take us through that i just again i think these drop boxes are i think they're a way to skirt fear accurate elections I couldn't agree more, and I think that that is part of a bigger issue. Early voting or mail ballot voting should be rare. It should be only as an option for those that are truly not going to be at the polling place on Election Day. For those that are homebound um, and that have a disability that does not allow for them to be able to travel to a polling place, that makes sense. For someone who travels on business and will not be in state um, that day, that makes sense. For somebody who, you know, would be working throughout all 14 hours of the polling place location open, okay, I assume that that's rare, but um, but then that should be an option for them. But um otherwise you should be able to get out to the polling place in person um this early voting i understand the convenience but boy don't we learn so much more about candidates in the latter end of october that could sway voters in one direction or another i hear so many times particularly in this last election in 2020 about voter remorse Um, we had a very um controversial issue um, here in East Providence with a um, golf course that was closed and that was purchased by a developer. And that led to an incumbent losing his election because of his professional involvement with the Metacomet golf course transaction. What that resulted in was a candidate winning that primary, and there wasn't a um, Republican challenger in that race to my memory. So that person who won the Democratic primary won the election and is currently serving as the state senator, but doesn't necessarily match the ideology of the district and, quite frankly, hasn't been motivated to have conversations with their constituents. Right. And now that person knows that they would lose that election. And for whatever reason, a freshman senator is now running for lieutenant governor. Um, You know, these are the type of issues that, you know, lead to folks not being the best representatives for their constituents, um, and and it, it comes to that sort of process where it provides that advantage. As far as specifically about the ballot boxes, um, we had accusations of them being stuffed and mishandled in our last election, um, and, and those were investigated and, and nothing came of them. But it did raise some questions about potential fraud risk that remain unresolved. In East Providence, there is a camera that looks at the one ballot box that is against the wall outside of the the city hall, but who has the feed? It's the mayor that's running for re-election. The canvassing office doesn't have access to that feed. And I would dare one step further. I think it should be a live feed for any constituent to go log in and watch that box anytime that they want to. I like that. We have the technology already. I mean, there are folks who probably have... Uh, those that listen to your broadcast that watch shows like on CBS's Big Brother, where you can go and log in and watch people meandering around a small house for 90 days. If the people are interested in watching that, I bet you there are people that are interested in watching the integrity of the election, and everyone should have access to that feed to watch that box before, during, and after an election is closed. Folks, again, we're speaking with Nicholas Oliver. And uh, Nicholas, what I also find interesting is, so now you're East Providence. Um, A place like Providence is a little more transient. So it's one thing, you know, maybe there are certain people, um, election day can almost be social for some of the poll workers. They see a lot of the people from the same neighborhoods they know. Providence, it's different because it's it's very transient and uh, and therefore there's, there's a lot more people to be unknown so if someone sees a name and an address they have no idea who it is but i'm just curious that one of the sponsors of the legislation happens to be from east providence what type of communication did she have to gather facts gathering um for the from the board of canvases of east providence 
there was no communication with any election official in the city uh, and the bill sponsor, which is disappointing. You know, you have a, an incumbent who understands elections from a candidate perspective, but has no experience. And in this case here, um, no interest in how elections are operated, the amount of resources that requires a safe and fair and secure election um, and drafted a bill that ultimately was successful and, and, and passed um, without having interaction with those that run elections. And that's that's disappointing to me. Um, I will let others um, decide how they feel about that, particularly those that are in her district, whether or not she best represents them and best represents their votes that are cast. Um, and uh, I'll just leave that at that. But I, I find that to be disappointing. You know, I think that if you're going to write a bill, regardless of the issue, um, as a conscientious elected official that you would want to bring stakeholders in to make sure that you have a bill that is prepared for quote-unquote legislative review um, that has the best interests of constituents and all stakeholders involved. Nicholas Oliver, folks, was speaking to him. In, and also, in the past, I believe the provision was that if there was a notary uh, that notarized more than 50 ballots that that would trigger at least an investigation. And you and I have talked about, and I really highlight, this opened my eyes, and it was the 2017 special election Senate district race in Newport. One uh, campaign worker, one, collected 230 ballots, notarized them all, by the way. They made her a notary. But, Nick, what, <clears throat> what also stands out to me is in that case, if you have the notary, and it's a close election, at least then you could go to the notary and say, now listen, you know, you notarized... This ballot for, you know, John Smith that lives on, you know, Main Street and so forth without the notary, um, you know, a campaign worker goes out and has a bunch of votes and puts them in the drop box. Uh, now it falls on, you know, who knows if anyone could track down the person that supposedly cast the vote. I, I just think it you you just close a window, if you will, or a door of trying to verify uh, a vote that was allegedly cast. You're correct. There's no longer that oversight provision. Um, you had professional um, uh, electioneers that were going out to elder high-rises, some of the very same vulnerable populations that I talked about earlier, that were going to organize for one candidate. Um that they were working for. And so they were notarizing these ballots or that they would have two people from the campaign go out and um, sign with the two-person signature verification. Um, and that you'd see the same two people that were verifying multiple ballots. You know, it, again, it all goes back to that... Um, you know, our previous part of our conversation about how mail ballots should be rare um, and it shouldn't be used as an exercise for convenience factor or for incumbent security. It should only be for those that truly need it because they're homebound or they will be out of state on the day of the election or some other emergent need um, that otherwise would not allow them to be at the polling locations. But you're right. Um, this exposes to a greater risk of fraud. You mentioned um, the Oyer election. I mean, I go back and think about the Steve Frias and um, Mattiello, Nick Mattiello 2016. Race, uh, yep. Right. Where, you know, they were only a matter of a handful of votes different. And the, and uh, Mattiello said at the time, well, I'm not worried about it. He didn't break a sweat because he knew that in his back pocket, he had a couple of hundred mail ballots that he knew were votes for him um, in the slimmest election that otherwise was blown out of the water because of organized mail ballots. 
Um, that should raise a red flag to voters, and that should raise a red flag to any elected official that claims to want to make sure that we have integrity in our elections. One last note, and again, folks, it's Nicholas Oliver, who I'm going to call on from time to time. I'm Nick, I think, number one, I deem you an expert. Number two, now that you've resigned, I really appreciate your input, insight into uh, how this is going to go going forward. Something that I also just think should raise a red flag, and it's a national story that Rhode Island double-counted people in the recent census. And as a result of that, we were able to retain a congressional seat, but we got flagged for they said, you know, we didn't actually gain population. They now think that we lost 10,000 people. But what I think should raise red flags is this isn't some small project. It was the highest levels of our government in Rhode Island that were involved with the census that was that was the governor that was dr nicole, ramundo dr nicole alexander scott they had a budget of 1.5 million uh common common cause signed off on that uh you know when we talk about eroding public trust and confidence when you have the the lead officials in the state telling our federal government oh no this is all on the up and up and then after they do a verification they find out hey wait a minute you know you guys double counted some people I, that that's another thing that Oliver it, it's as if our elected officials don't even realize they're completely losing public trust in what should be uh the more that you nip away and nip away at this they're, they're just losing public trust in how our government works especially our elections well look at all the organizations that were involved and what political slant that they may have yep um i would even call out aarp yes as part of that group well um today's my birthday but i'm not quite 50 yet hmm. but i will tell you uh, thanks i will tell you that um you know that will give me pause when when i turn 50 as to who i would want to represent me in my elder years um but if it was easy to do that in the census and it took a couple of years before that information saw daylight and exposed to um, uh, to citizens in the state, think about how easy it is to manipulate a state election without any federal oversight. That is exactly right. And one last question, Nick, since you have resigned and again, folks, it's Nicholas Oliver. Um, I, let, let's just, you know, the elephant in the room. It's one party. Um, you know, this whole notion that the Democrats, they just really want people engaged in the system and everyone to vote. I, I just I don't buy it. It's tough to ignore. They want a system that includes a lot of ballots, uh, much more than normal, unsecured ballots. It's, um, you know, let, let's just deal with it. Their, their motivation is not to me. We need to get everybody involved in the in the process of voting they they have motives of it's easier for them to influence the outcome of an election is that fair yeah and and if you take a look at who voted i'm really disappointed in those that chose not to represent their constituents and not vote in opposition but instead decided to abstain and not vote you know that those folks had opposition but were afraid to challenge leadership there was bipartisan opposition to this bill. Granted, there is a majority that voted in favor, you know, that one party that we're looking for incumbent uh, election security insurance, and, and they were able to achieve that goal. But I'm really disappointed in those that chose not to represent their constituents and not vote on their behalf to make sure that their votes cast will be safe, fair and secure. And that's really disappointing. And I hope that voters consider that when they go to the polls and make their decision. And I hope however they vote, that their vote is cast appropriately and that their ballot is not manipulated and that there isn't fraudulent votes cast. But at, at this point, reviewing this bill and reviewing the intent and how those debates on the floor of the House and Senate went, I knew that I could not be in a position to certify the aggregate total in my community. And I hope that others listen to what I have to say, take an opportunity to review that bill, take an opportunity to speak to their elected officials 
and be able to vote in the best interests of securing elections in the future, I think the bill needs to change. Unfortunately for me, my state representative is not running for re-election. He's running for Secretary of State, and he voted for this bill, mm. um, which tells me that he voted to make sure that he was able to win an election versus making sure that our elections have integrity moving forward. As a state's election official, that really concerns me moving toward that ballot in November. Um, and I hope others that are across the state listen to my mem- my message, and it gives them pause when they cast their ballot. Folks, again, he is Nicholas Oliver. Nick, again, uh, first of all, I applaud you for what you did. Uh, you're a, a valuable person for them to lose, but we will talk to you again. And uh, just I want to thank you uh, for the way you conduct yourself, taking the time to talk to us. Very um, thoughtful, and and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, Nicholas Oliver. Thanks, John. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, folks, there it is. Nicholas Oliver right here on the John DePietro Show. And I want to highlight, when he talks about the no vote, such as Rep Casey in Winsocket, no vote. Corvese, North Providence, no vote. Craven, North Kingstown, no vote. Ready? Here's this one. Patricia Morgan. No vote, no vote. Ray Hull, no vote. Uh, Wranglin Vassal, no vote. But uh, and then uh, Tobin of Pawtucket, he had some. Uh, that's the guy that was jammed up. But Patricia Morgan, the number of times I've had her on to talk about voting, and then she doesn't even vote on something like this. Wow. That is really something. All right, folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Make it a great day at Ron's Pastry Gourmet, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. It's Ron's Pastry Gourmet. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. R.E. Coogan and Heating. Folks, call them today at 401-732-6562. It's Coogie. R.E. Coogan and Heating for plumbing, heating, and cooling listing. As we're transitioning right now from spring into summer, you want to make sure your cooling unit is going to serve you and your family, your employees well this summer. R.E. Coogan and Heating. As Coog says, we're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Explore our services. Let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Whether it be for plumbing, maybe a hot water tank, call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401 732-6562 hot water tanks and especially let's make sure your cooling units are ready for what's going to be a hot summer look for them online recooganheating.com and also on facebook recoogan and heating 401-732-6562 you're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. As you know, we've been talking about the border. Joining us right now, retired captain from the Texas Department of Public Safety Intelligence, Counterterrorism Division. He is an expert. It is Jason Jones. And uh, Jason, as we are now getting into late May, people are very concerned about the situation at the southern border. Well, John, good morning. It's good to be with you. And the truth is they should be concerned. How is it that for just the month of April alone, the United States Customs and Border Protection apprehended 234,000 people? Of that, we know that at least just shy of 58,000 known gotaways made it into the country, meaning that a Border Patrol agent saw an individual cross into the United States illegally, a sensor picked them up or sign on the ground of their footprints were picked up and those were counted. So I get the concern. And then not just that, since fiscal year 22 started beginning in October in the last seven months, CBP has apprehended just shy of 1.3 million people. And that has caused a real tipping point in cascade events taking place where we now see back-to-back pursuits we see bailouts we see splashdowns into the river we see index crimes occurring along these southern states at unprecedented levels and not only that for those of you up north you see it and feel it differently but you feel it in the realm of overdose deaths from fentanyl and methamphetamine now jason what exactly is the Biden administration uh what are they doing to try to stop this onslaught nothing 
I mean, I, I just want to be completely honest. Our government has caused this. And you have to ask yourself, what are the drivers and why? What is the why? What has caused this to all of a sudden begin under the Biden administration? Well, you know, it's the policies. When you when you communicate to the world that if you come to the United States, you'll be able to stay in the country. And then the, that perception goes out. They then come and then they're allowed to stay. And then they call their family back home to countries all over the world. And this is how it works. And then you have the alien smuggling organizations, the Mexican cartels, and the long-haul smugglers all along the route on social media and everything else telling them the same exact thing. No worries. If you want to go to the United States, we will get you in the country. Those are the true drivers. So when you ask me what is the what is DHS doing to stop this? The answers are not doing anything. Their answer to this is that we're going to process people quicker and faster. That's another part of those push-pull factors that's driving people to come in. Folks, again, we're speaking with uh, Jason Jones, retired captain from the Department of Public Safety, Intelligence, Counterterrorism Division. He also uh, has communication daily with law enforcement members and intelligence community. Now, Jason, what about the fact, if you wouldn't mind just describe for people, if it's bad now, what happens at the border as we get into June, July, and August? Sure. And, and listen, the, this this is a great question. We, we're seeing numbers we've never seen before. You have to remember, you know, the winter months are the times of the lowest migration because historically people don't migrate outside their country of origin during the winter. They do that mostly during the summer months. And you can see that in the U.S. Customs and Border Protection data uh, going back every single year, year after year. This year is different, and so was last year because of these policies. And, you know, when we're talking about 234 apprehensions for the month of April now that the heat is hitting, but if you look even back to March, there was 221,000 apprehensions. John, these are numbers I've never seen in my entire career because we've never had policies like this. And you have to ask yourself, okay, why? And I'll give you a great example. We've seen some huge demographic shifts. We're seeing right now more Cubans, more Nicaraguans, and more Venezuelans than we have ever seen crossing. So what's the why to that? Well, DHS has said that if they come, they're going to receive a humanitarian parole into the United States. Those are the ones also getting the cell phones that you're hearing about. So that's the magnet. I mean, it's the reason when you make those policies under the Department of Homeland Security and then you communicate that and then they cross and they communicate that back to their countries of origin. This is the shift. And so as DHS makes other changes, you're going to continue to see that as well. And I'll give you a great example. Why are we seeing so many Haitians, Africans, people from Middle East countries coming that where we've never seen these numbers as well? Well, they're giving a notice to appear by the Department of Homeland Security. So when you have no deterrence and you've created these perceptions, it just continues. But what really concerns me while we're talking about the lens of immigration, what we are not addressing is the lens of national security and how what's happening impacts the folks listening across this country. John, we're at 107,000 overdose deaths from the, uh, 2021 for the entire 12 month period. We have never been here as a country. So you have to say, well, then why is that occurring? Well, how do you link that to an unsecure border? Here's how. Because when Border Patrol, who operates between the ports of entry along your southwest border, when they adjust from a national security model, meaning trying to hold the line against all illicit commodities crossing, and they transition to a processing model, meaning that as 150-plus people are pouring in, all resources that they have go to that because they have to process them very quickly. I mean, John, I saw a 20-day-old child. You can't leave them in 105-degree weather mm. uh, just a, just a uh, week and a half ago. You can't leave that child in 105-degree weather very long, so they have to process very quickly. So what does that do? That allows the cartels, specifically CJNG and Sinaloa, who's moving more deadly fentanyl and methamphetamine than any other hyperviolent cartels in Mexico, to send more of that product. So it's a consequence of an unsecure border, the, the immigration issue, but most importantly, the part that is forgotten. And this is what really bothers me the most. No one's talking about the implications of the unsecure border to the overdose death crisis that Americans in the north are feeling much more in the south. But down here, we feel it in the realm of human smuggling and human trafficking because we're seeing tectonic shifts toward that. 
So these index crimes impacting the American people, have you noticed you hear nothing from DHS Secretary Mayorkas and you hear nothing about that from the federal agencies? And that's what bothers me the most. Folks, he is retired captain, Texas Department of Public Safety Intelligence, Counterterrorism Division, Jason Jones. Jason, great job as always. Stay safe and we'll talk to you again. Great to be with you, John. Thanks for having me. Brothers Disposal. Call them today, 401-688-0517. Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway. You can clean out unwanted belongings. Maybe clean out your garage. Clean out your basement. Clean out your attic. Old toys. Old things you don't even use anymore. Old furniture. It's so much easier when you have a dumpster delivered right to your home, and then they'll take it away when you're done, whether it's for a weekend, for a week, for a month, Brother's Disposal. Call Brother Roland today at 401-688-0517. 401-688-0517. Come on, brother. Call Brother's Disposal. Look for them on Facebook. They have those purple dumpsters. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother's Disposal today, whether it's a small household construction project or maybe just cleaning out some unwanted belongings. Get a dumpster in your driveway or business. Brother's Disposal, 401 401- 688-0517. Portion of the program brought to you by the Coesed Inn. Check them out on the website, depetro.com, the Coesed Inn, or Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Located 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge, whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers, there's always a great crowd. You can link directly to them, and gift certificates are available. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Thing to the John DePietro show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website depetro.com to check out our website depetro.com depetro.com which is sponsored by and brought to you by the Senadale revival comfort food and cocktails located 2025 smith street in north providence shane and his crew what a wonderful job they've done winner of several rhode island best of awards best of rhode island awards the Senadale revival delicious food cocktails a lot of fun stop it and see them 2025 smith street in north providence to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com remember weekdays 11 to 2 but visit the website dipetro.com that's the best way to reach me there's a direct link contact john we also have all our sponsors right there we have unique original reporting stories videos also all our links to social media whether it's facebook when we do facebook live or youtube or twitter it's all right there at the website depetro.com and then remember once you're there you can also visit the shop we have great gifts that you can get it's a happening all links to the show plus if you ever miss any part of the show it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at depetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website depetro.com best lawn ever guaranteed contact lawn doctor of rhode island today now you can call them 401-392-1025 get a quick easy quote the best thing to do lawn doctor of rhode island they have a great website it's easy lawndoctor.com lawndoctor.com then just put in your zip code get a quick easy a quote your best lawn ever guaranteed take get part of their premium eight service program early spring spring lime late spring summer grub prevention early fall fall late fall lawn doctor online at lawndoctor.com